Dear Founder, as you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Dear Founder podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to Dear Founder. I am so excited to be back with you for another amazing conversation with another incredible guest. I'm your host, Lindsay Pinchuk, and I wanted to just hop on before the conversation today. I just got off an airplane. I, I took a day trip to Washington, D.C., and I had a lot of time to think today. And both my seatmate and a lot of people that I ran into when I was in Washington today shared favorite episodes of Dear Founder with me. They were asking me about the podcast. And I just, I was so grateful and moved that so many people are listening. So, you know, I wanted to share with you that Dear Founder is truly one of the greatest aspects of my life. Meeting the people that I get to meet here, connecting with so many of you in the community, and hopping on this mic twice a week to talk to and share some of the most powerful stories from some of the most amazing female founders and their supporters has just been the greatest gift that I've ever been given. So I want to thank you so much for tuning in. I know that you have so many choices of podcasts to listen to. I listen to so many myself, and I am so grateful that you've chosen mine and that you're here to listen. I want to just ask if this conversation today inspires you. I want you to please share it with a friend. Share it on social media. Tag me. I will absolutely come and say hi. Leave us a review on Apple. Subscribe to the show. All of these conversations that we have here, they're so amazing and important for people to hear. And when you do these little things, it helps the show to get discovered. It helps spread the knowledge and wisdom from all of our guests. You know, and ultimately, it helps our community to grow. Most important, it helps me with my mission to support as many female founders and entrepreneurs as I possibly can through this podcast and across all of my platforms. So again, I am so grateful you're here. Your support means the world to me. Today's conversation is a unique perspective because it's not from a founder, but it is from a powerhouse woman executive. She is the president of the Women's of the Woman Presidents Organization, otherwise known as WPO. Camille Burns has been with WPO for 21 years, which is a very tall feat and, and a length of time that most people do not reach with one organization. She's worked with some of the greatest female founders and female-founded businesses of our time, and she's here today to give some incredible perspective that every found every founder will be able to take something away from this conversation and from her perspective. It's really unique and an amazing opportunity here to hear from someone who works with female founders on an everyday basis, some of the biggest and best in the world. And in case you're not sure about what WPO is, 
The Woman Presidents Organization is a nonprofit membership organization where dynamic and diverse women business leaders from around the world tap into collective insight with exclusive access to entrepreneurial equals, innovative ideas, and executive education. Chief Executive Officer of the Woman Presidents Organization, Camille Burns, champions the WPO's mission to help second stage women entrepreneurs around the world take their companies to the next level of success. The organization's unique approach to advanced business education rooted in a proprietary peer learning methodology has helped founders on six continents scale their companies for growth. You are absolutely going to want to keep listening to today's conversation. So please come on in and meet Camille Burns. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. Today, we have someone on the show that I wish I had met 12 years ago. And I just told her that I found out about her organization when it was kind of too late for me with Bump Club. So I am really excited that Camille Burns, who is the president of the Women Presidents Organization, otherwise known as WPO, is here today to share her story of becoming president of this amazing organization and also what WPO is and how it can support you as a female founder. So Camille, welcome. So happy to be here, Lindsay. So tell us a little bit about yourself, give us your background, and then tell us a little bit about what WPO is. Sure. So a little about myself. Um, I grew up right outside of Chicago and I was sort of a feminist, you know, out of the womb. I think Um, I was just a when I was a little girl, I I was always upset about anything that sort of separated the boys and the girls. Um, And so when I went to college, I, I studied sociology originally and just wanted to work for a women's organization. And I sort of came across the WPO. I saw a job opportunity in my early 20s and applied. Um, it was a small organization at the time. I think we had about 200 members and we were just U.S. based. Uh, and I got this job and it's been a journey. So about 21 years later, here I am today. Um, I'm now president of the organization. We have about 2000 members around the world um, in 10 different countries. And what the WPO does is our core business is providing peer advisory groups for women CEOs and presidents of multi-million dollar companies. So WPO isn't designed for startups. It's designed for women business owners that have had some success and are looking to grow, scale their company, you know, navigate the challenges they're dealing with, um, and really also just create this great community of other successful women CEOs and presidents of companies. I want you to go a little bit more into your story and what happened during those 21 years. First of all, congratulations, because it's not very often that you hear that someone is with an organization for 21 years. I mean, yeah, these like days I'm like a dinosaur. <laughs> but, but no, but like it's it's amazing. It speaks volumes to you and to the fact that this organization does not want to let you go and that you also obviously believe in it wholeheartedly. So I'd love for you to kind of share a little bit about what your roles have been and how you've seen the organization grow and change. Sure. You know, I've seen a lot of change. So when I came in, it was a tiny organization. So I was kind of like doing everything. You know, I worked very closely with the president, uh, Marsha Firestone. She founded the organization. And, you know, we sort of just worked day to day on slowly growing the organization and and expanding. Um, And, you know, one of the nice things about 
joining an organization that's small and growing is I got to wear so many different hats. So I have been with the same organization for 21 years, but I've done so many different things. And and through that journey, I sort of figured out what I like, what I don't like, what I'm good at, what I'm not good at. Um, and so it it sort it poised me to figure out what direction I I wanted to take my career. And I got the opportunity to try a lot of different things just by nature of of being a small organization. When I came into the organization, you know, I, I said I studied sociology and I had no interest in business. Like if you told, you know, 20, 20 year old Camille that I'd be running a business organization and I'd have an MBA now and all of these things, I would have laughed in your face. Um, <laughs> but I grew this love of business through doing this work and really getting to connect with entrepreneurs and understand small business and understand the impact on the economy um, and just really see the power of women in leadership positions, women entrepreneurs, and um, how incredible that community is. You just said something that I think is so interesting and it mirrors what so many founders feel often. And that is, you said you get to wear so many hats and so many, many all founders do as well. I mean, that is something that I hear a sentiment that I hear on this podcast and in my day-to-day conversations over and over and over again. And I always felt like that as a founder, like I was like the HR person, but I was also like the, the warehouse director, but I was also (laughs) like the social media content. You know, I mean, it was like so many hats that you wear. What would you, how, how would you kind of address this sentiment to female founders and in terms of managing all of the different roles that they do on a day-to-day basis? I think it is to your point, it's kind of the nature of the business, right? When you're running a small business, you're starting up a company, you're going to do all sorts of different things. That's just the nature of it. And, and, but I think it's really important for female founders to understand what their unique talents are. And as they grow the company, quickly find people to fill the roles that they can have other people fill. Because I think one of the biggest barriers for women growing their companies is when they get a little too stuck working in the business and doing all of these different things and not having that opportunity to work on the business and really think about the strategy of the organization and really sit in that CEO or president role, right? So um, I think it's fun and it's exciting when you're doing all of the different things and you're growing. But I think once you have that opportunity to bring on other people with different skills, expertise, it's really important to do that and not try to control all of these different aspects of your business, because that's really going to hinder your ability to grow. It's so funny because ironically, I made a post this morning on Instagram, you know, I like schedule my stuff out, but I saw it go up this morning and it was a post about that. It was showing a picture of me that I was like, this is a tale of two stories. And it was talking about how in this picture, I really had to figure out how to get out of the business to work on the business. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a sentiment too, that so many female founders feel and founders in general feel all the time, especially when you're getting up and running. So thank you for saying that. Um, I also want to ask you about your 21 year tenure at WPO. Like, what have you seen in terms of the landscape for female founders, because that has changed greatly. I mean, when you think about where we were 21 years ago, there were definitely not as many female founders. And in terms of funding, I mean, I know we are still very far off from where we need to be, but that has definitely come a little bit of ways as well. So I would love for you to kind of address those environmental and like societal changes that you've seen that have benefited female founders. 
Sure. And you're exactly right. I've seen a tremendous amount of change. Um, there needs to be a lot more change. But when I started this, I would tell people what I what I did. You know, people would ask, what do you do for a living? And, and they'd be like, why? I don't understand. Like, there was no concept almost of women entrepreneurs. And when people thought about women running companies, I think they had a very particular image in their mind. Um, I think they felt women ran certain types of companies or maybe had mom and pop shops, things like that. But they didn't really understand when I started doing this, that there were women running, you know, fast growing tech companies. There were women running construction companies. There were women running all sorts of different types of companies. And um, in the beginning, I just had to explain a lot about the women in the organization and and, um, what they were doing because people just didn't really almost believe it, if that makes sense. so I've seen a tremendous amount of change. I mean, I think it started when I really started hearing the government talking about women in business and presidents, you know, directly addressing women business owners. And, and I think a lot of research was done as well to show the impact that women business owners were having on the economy and realizing that they're a significant contributor to the economy and and play a very important role. Um, So now it's great because when I talk about what I do, everybody understands what I do. Um, Everybody, you know, well, I I don't know if everybody, but most people think it's great and really support it. And so it's nice to be able to have those conversations and, and have that understanding. Having said that, when I started this, um, 2% of women business owners generated over a million dollars annually in the United States. Today, that number is 4%. So in 21 years, that's a very small amount of growth in terms of women hitting that you know, second stage level, women running more successful companies. And then obviously, as the you know revenue gets higher, that percentage gets smaller and smaller. I do see a lot more women today running 50, 100, 400 million dollar companies. You know, I, I I do see that. We've got a great community of that in the WPO as well. Um, but it's been slow. And I think to your point about funding, I think that's a key component of that. I, I women, it is easier to get funding now. I think that lending institutions really care about women. I think there's a lot of organizations now that are focused on funding women-owned businesses. And this didn't really exist in a significant way when I was uh, first doing this work. So that's a huge change, but um, there's still just a lot of work to do. And, you know, we've, we've got a, women need to obviously be able to raise that capital in order to scale and grow and in order to get to that multi-million level and above. I just want to take a minute to say thank you. In just a few short months, this podcast has reached some incredible milestones, namely helping so many of you. From founding, growing, and selling my first company and now helping others to do the same, so many of you trust me right here on the podcast, but also through my classes, my one-on-one programs, and my social media. Your belief in me is so appreciated, and now I can help you to grow your own personal brand or your company's community through content, social media, partnerships, email, collaborations, and more. Just click the link in the show notes and fill out the form. Grab 30 minutes with me. We can chat, connect. I'd love to get to know you and your business and perhaps even have the chance to work with you. Thanks so much for being here. So one of the things that I said at the top of this conversation was that I like it was like I found out about you guys and organizations Mm -hmm. like yours, like far too late for me when I was in my bump club journey. Um, But I will say that in the beginning of my whole entrepreneur life, 
I wasn't, I didn't sign up to be an entrepreneur. I mean that like, honest to God, like I wasn't like, I didn't set out to have this big business. And I think that's pretty common as well. I started something and I threw my heart and soul into it and I grew and grew and grew and grew. But in the beginning, I felt really lonely because Mm -hmm. no one around me knew what I like, what I was going through. My husband was watching it, but he didn't live it. So he didn't understand he didn't understand like the pressure I felt, you know, I also had millions of people who were relying on our information every single day. And that was really stressful. You know, I mean, the, I remember the first time I, <laughs> I put out like a controversial piece of information, you know, in, in motherhood, there's a lot of that uh-huh. and just, you know, being ripped a new one online and having to deal with that. So, you know, I, I quickly realized that I needed to have the support of other female founders around me. And I started networking. I mean, that was really a key component to moving my business along because I was able to ask questions. I was you know, able to ask advice. I ran things by people. And that is a sentiment that has carried over and over and over into my new life as a consultant and something that I helped to facilitate here. But my question for you is, you know, you see this every day because you live and breathe this. So I want you to talk about why it is so important for female founders to have that village of women around them, especially mm-hmm. other women founders. Mm-hmm. I think you really hit the nail on the head with the lonely factor, right? I think it is very lonely um, being an entrepreneur. You know, you can't talk to your friends, your female friends may not understand what you're going through. Your partner may not, your husband, wife, whatever, may not understand um, all the challenges that you're experiencing and you can't talk to your employees about it. And so it is a very, very lonely place. So I think that's the number one reason I would say to find a community of other women business owners who really get it, who understand what you're going through, have been there, done that. Um, But I also think it's It's just that that support network is huge. I think women really need women in general to support each other. And I think when you're in this entrepreneurial space, you have so many challenges, um, challenges in being an entrepreneur, running your own company, making payroll, like all of the things that just can, you know, give you a tremendous amount of stress. I mean, the social media example you're talking about um, and having people to contact, like, what did you do in this situation? Or having experts that may be running communications firms that you know through your network and you can you know reach out to for support. Um, I think that that's just extremely important. I think also when you're an entrepreneur and you're a woman, you have challenges in being a woman that may impact your business. You know, you may have children and you may have to deal with all of those stresses on top of running your business. And so having other women, having this community is huge. I am all about community, community of peers, advisors, mentors. I mean, I think all of this is just so important to be a successful business owner. I I think one of the challenges business owners have, and I'll I'll speak for women because that's my community, is um, women sometimes try to do it all. You know, sometimes, I mean, it's really (laughs) innate, you know, I mean, it's like, yeah. (laughs) So, you know, we take all of this stuff on, we try to solve all the problems ourselves. We try to Um, We just try to do everything. And I think that when you have a community and you can go to people and just say, I need help. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm confused. I, you know, that vulnerability and asking for help. And I think when you have that community of women where you feel safe to talk about whatever 
you're dealing with, you'll get that kind of support and help you need so that you're not dealing with everything alone. You're getting input and expertise that you may not have, and you're able to just be more successful and be a better person (laughs) as a result. Well, and also you speak about vulnerability. When you have that community and you know that other people are going through it too, and everyone's vulnerable, it makes it a lot. Mm -hmm. It makes it easier to share your truths and to you know, I think a lot of times as female founders, you don't want to speak about the bad things. You mm-hmm. don't want to sh- like, you, you know what I mean? Like you don't want to share your failures because you feel like someone's going to use them against you. Mm-hmm. And so to have that safe place where you can say like, oh, I messed up or I don't know what to do about this. And other people get it because they've been there too. And you know that that is something that is incredibly important. Yeah. You know, there's one of our uh, women in our community, we we do a 50 fastest list of the fastest growing women-owned led companies. And one of the women who's on the list for a number of years, and she was in the top three this year, she had a tip, right? Everybody was asked to give one tip for other entrepreneurs. And I loved hers because I think I'm getting it right. She said, success is a public event. We shouldn't be afraid to fail out loud. And I think that it's to what you're talking about. We hold in all of this stuff and we need to have a place where we can talk about what didn't go well because other people can learn from that. You know what? It's very funny that you say this because every time I share something that didn't go well and Mm -hmm. I put myself out there, that's like the most, I get the most engagement and the most traction on those posts, on those stories, both on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, Because people want to actually hear that. And another thing on that note that I think is really interesting, it's funny because like I was saying, like people just don't want to obviously like share their failures, but we do learn from them. But it's also so misleading. You know, I mean, you yourself as a founder, you know, I I know I'm going to speak for myself. So I'm going to say I, I, you know, I would like put myself against or compare myself to other women who were founders in the space and be like, oh my God, like they're so success, they're so successful. Like they're in New York Times or they're in Forbes. And how does that happen? And and I am not in blah blah. And like, you know, you make you make yourself crazy. Like really and, and truly you can make yourself crazy. But the interesting thing is is when we don't talk about the failures, we also don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And I very specifically remember when I was selling my business there was another female founder who was like in out in the public eye and you would have thought that she was doing amazing. And like, she was someone that I'm friends with. And, and I was like, Oh my God, like she's killing it. And I was like, so jealous, you know, I was so jealous at all the press and everything she was getting. And I behind the scenes was in deals in a deal to sell my business. And she went out of business right before I closed my deal. Wow. And so it just, you, mm-hmm. you don't know what's going on behind the scenes, which is why we need to talk about it so we can learn from it, right? Yeah, exactly. And that you don't feel alone. You know, when you feel like everyone else is just having success after success and, you know, you're dealing with challenges, things don't go right. That's part of being an entrepreneur. You have to take risks and some of them don't pan out. Like it's just the nature it's just part of, the, of the, the, yeah, right. Yeah. It's part of what you're signing up for, even yeah. if you don't sign up for it, right? Exactly. Exactly. So so I'd love for you to talk a little bit about, you know, obviously you and your organization is for a tier of female founders that not everyone is in, but what would be some tips for people who are not yet at that level in terms of going out and finding their village? And what would you recommend to someone who's, you know, not quite 
at the WPO level. And we are going to get into more of the specifics. I want, I'm going to have you share after a little bit more about what WPO is and how it's organized so people can understand mm-hmm. that. But for people who aren't quite there, what would you tell them? First of all, I think to your point, network, get out there, meet people. Um, I think that's really important. I think you can always find mentors no matter what size your business is. And, and it doesn't need to be a formal mentor. You know, you can reach out to people and ask people to help you, ask people to be your mentor. I, I think people look at really successful people and think they're too busy. But dealing with a lot of really successful people in my community, they want to help. They want to give back. And so it never hurts to try to connect with someone who, you know, as I always say, it sort of has what you want. And try to build a relationship with them because I think that that is can be really helpful on your journey. Just understanding and having someone you can talk honestly with that can tell you what they've gone through, give you advice. Um, and then there are a lot of other organizations. You know, there's for women-owned businesses. There's WeBank certification, and that community is very large of of women that are certified women-owned businesses and. Um, There's another organization I partner with called Women Elevating Women for women of color that are running businesses that are under the million dollar level. We're in a partnership. And so she works to help women get to that million dollar level and then um, hopefully, you know, have them join the WPO when they're at that level so they can continue to grow and scale their businesses. But really, I think it's just building that community. And you don't have to always have a formal community you can just sort of build that community with your network. But I think that that's key to to growth. When you talk about reaching out for mentorship, I do find that a lot of founders, both men and women actually, you know, get like cold feet and like they get, you know, people feel like I, I, to your point, like these people are busy. I can't reach out. What would you say is most effective when reaching out to someone who maybe you don't want a formal mentorship. Maybe you just want a coffee with like, what, what are some things that you would say to include or not include in that outreach to make it effective? I mean, first of all, I'd say just do it, right? I mean, I think that a lot of things hold us back. And I I think that we have fear, especially when we see someone that we think is really successful. Um, And I think that you'd be surprised, right? Um, One thing I recommend is that if you're at something and you hear a speaker or someone, you know, is on stage on a panel and you just really look at them and think, wow, I would love to connect with that person. Uh, If you have the opportunity at an event to go up and say hi, I think that um, you'd be surprised at how they react. And then I think LinkedIn is a great tool. Um, I think that you do need that. Like I saw you speak at this event or you need some kind of segue. I think it's hard when you just sort of cold reach out to people on LinkedIn. Um, But I think that if you find you, you know, you watch them speak, you listen to them somewhere, you read an article about them and you sort of use that as a segue to just say, you know, I'm really impressed with the work you're doing. And I, you know, if I ever had the opportunity to uh, connect with you or have a few minutes of your time, I'd, I'd love to be able to have a conversation and, you know, not everybody's going to respond, but I think that, um, I think that, like I keep saying, I think you'd be surprised at how many business owners and successful people just like want to give back and want to help. They're, you know, they're in their own business every day and it feels really good to get out of yourself and help someone who's a young entrepreneur who's growing a company. I couldn't agree with you more. And I say that often when I speak on panels and, you know, and here on the podcast, like I, I always try to respond always. I mean, 
you know, some, sometimes I might miss things, but I, I really do always try to respond. And I always try to take the meeting, if not in person on Zoom for 15 minutes, because to your point, it does benefit the person on the receiving end as well. And it's so great to meet other people and you never know what a connection could bring. And I always just find the more connections, the better. I mean, mm-hmm. the more, the merrier. That's like right. how I roll, you know, so you never know what what you could bring as well. And that is something too, I think is very important that when going into a conversation, know your unique selling point as well and know what you could potentially bring to a conversation or a relationship. If you were to take it beyond coffee, because that is important for you to be able to articulate and share. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high-quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast as I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast. Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. So talk a little bit about WPO and like how it works and like what ha- like what happens when someone wants to join or how do you join? I mean, there's just, you know, I mean, as a female founder also, you're inundated, right? With like all of these organizations, information, and it's kind of hard to keep a lot of them straight. And it's like to know everyone's parameters and how it works and mm-hmm. you're balancing a business. So I want you to kind of cut to the chase, get down to the nitty gritty and tell us how it works. Sure. So, and, you know, to your point, I think when you're an entrepreneur, time is your most valuable resource, right? So you've got to look at all these opportunities and and I think, think about what is it that you're looking for? I think that's key when you're looking for organizations to be part of. Um, WPO, like I said, is a we're peer advisory group. So what we do is we have small groups, groups of 15 or so women business owners. There's never a competitor at the table. And they get together on a monthly basis for three-ish hours, depending on the chapter, and really work on their businesses. We have a issue processing format we use. So let's say you have an issue, you bring it to the table, you get uh, input and experience sharing from other women who have maybe been there, done that, and often made a mistake along the way and sort of can help you, you know, not repeat the mistakes that they've made. Uh, So it's like having a board of advisors of other women CEOs, presidents, you get together every month. That's kind of the core business. We have some different revenue tiers. So we have platinum members that are, have to have at least 10 million and, and those women average about 44 million in revenue and they get together three times a year. And then we have a uh, two different Zenith groups for women that are running $50 million companies and above. Um, and cause that's a very different 
role as well. You know, as you move through the stages of your business, your challenges change quite a bit and what your role in the organization changes. And so uh, the conversation does change. So that's kind of the the core businesses, the peer advisory groups. Um, We do have also just this large network of women business owners and, and CEOs. And we have a conference every year. And we get a really pretty large percentage of our membership that come to the conference every year to have that kind of three-day learning experience. We, you know, try to provide really um, topical business learning. It's not an inspirational conference. It's it's a business conference. But then also just having that opportunity to meet other women, maybe in your industry, maybe in other countries, people that you might be able to build strategic partnerships with or... Um, potential customers or clients or whatever, just having that opportunity to connect women with other women. So that's kind of in a nutshell, you know, we do a lot of other things, webinars and things like that, but those are really the two core pieces of the organization that I think provide the the most value. Does WPO offer any resources for non-members? Um, we do some of our webcasts and things like that. Sometimes what we'll do, for example, we might do something on fast growth and we would open that up to non-members. Um, we do have some women who come to our conference. They have to qualify for membership, which is 1 million if you're a service-based business or 2 million if you're a product-based business that can come to our conference um, as a non-member. And that's an opportunity as well. I think that it's really important to let people know those opportunities so they can maybe get a taste of WPO or see what, what is out there or follow you on Instagram and understand, you know, the, the resources that you offer in case there is an opportunity or maybe they're not quite there yet, but they want to know what's to come. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And anything we're opening up to the public, we would put on social media. So that's a great way to, to find us. So obviously we talked a little bit about how you've seen a lot in 21 years. So I would love for you to share with our listeners, what are some of like the greatest lessons you've learned from some of your members? And I know there's probably a lot of them, but you know, I mean, I know that you are exposed to some of the greatest minds on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, I think some of the lessons I've really learned from some of our members. And if I think about, the really successful members. One, I think, is asking for help, you know, not being afraid to ask for help. I think that taking risks, I think sometimes women can be a little bit more risk averse, particularly around financing. And I think that it's important to be willing to take that risk, to have that confidence in yourself, to just kind of go for it. Um, I think that um, letting go is huge. You know, not letting the failures of yesterday, not carrying them into tomorrow, take them as learning opportunities and let go and move forward. Because I think that sometimes we can be perfectionists and we can um, really beat ourselves up sometimes if, if something doesn't go the way we planned or um, it isn't as successful as we thought. But, you know, let that go, brush it off, move forward, learn from it. Um, I think that that's, that's huge as well. Uh, there's so many things. I mean, one of my favorite tips that I got from someone when I was really young was someone was complaining about someone they were working with and said, you know, I just don't know if I can work with this person. And, and she said, no matter what you're doing, there's always going to be someone you're working with you don't like. <laughs> you know, yeah. don't like you, that can't be the barrier of doing the work that you want to do because there's always going to be someone you don't like. And I've always carried that, not because I I like 
almost all people, but just whenever someone's frustrating you, like that's not a reason to run. That's not a reason to, um, you know, it's something to work through and you just have conflicting styles. Maybe the way you work and they work just, you know, you don't mesh well together, but it doesn't mean that you can't work together and achieve success and achieve the, you know, results that you want to achieve. So I just asked you if I just asked you about the advice and the lessons that other founders have taught you. But now what I want to ask you in my final question is what would Camille Burns tell founders who are just getting started? Like what are things that you I mean you just offered some great advice, but what specifically would you Camille Burns offer to especially startup female founders who are aspiring to get to a level where they can join WPO? What would you tell them to do? <sighs> meet other women, connect with women. I know I've said that, but I can't say it enough. Find other women, build that community, find other entrepreneurs. You do not need to do this alone. And the more you try to do this alone, the harder it's going to be for you and the lonelier it's going to be for you. And the more stressful it's going to be for you. That's honestly what I would tell any (laughs) woman starting a company. Camille Burns, you speak my language and I'm so thrilled that I had the opportunity to connect with you today. Camille Burns, president of the Women Presidents Organization, WPO. Thank you for sharing your time and your insight with all of us. You have a perspective that is incredibly unique, and I cannot wait to share this conversation and your advice with all of our listeners. Thanks so much, Lindsay. It was so much fun talking to you. Uh, and I, you know, I hope we can continue the conversation over a real cup of coffee someday. <laughs> Me too. I told you that today's conversation and the perspective that Camille brings to the podcast was incredibly unique. And as always, there are so many takeaways from today's conversation. Of course, I'll be sending them out to you if you're on my email list. So you got to make sure you subscribe the links in the show notes. When you do, I'll also send you a lesson each and every week on something that you can do to help you grow your business. But For now, I wanted to share with you my top five takeaways from today's episode. Number one, once you have the opportunity to bring on people with different skills and expertise, it's really important to do that. Number two, find a community of women business owners who really get it because being a female founder can be very lonely. Women need women to support one another. You have so many challenges running your own company. You have to find that support system. Number three, network get out there and meet people. You can always find mentors, ask people to help you, ask people to be your mentor. People see successful people and they think they're too busy, but these people really do want to help you and they want to give back. Number four, if you see someone who wows you, go up and say hi, introduce yourself. Use tools like LinkedIn and reach out to people, especially people who you've connected with or seen elsewhere. Reach out with purpose. And number five, Make sure that you meet and connect with as many women as possible. Build your community, find other entrepreneurs. You do not have to do this alone and you shouldn't try to do it alone. If you do, it's only going to be stressful. So I want to thank Camille Burns for being here today. And I want to thank you all again for listening to another episode of Dear Founder. Again, if you like what you're hearing, please make sure you take out that phone, scroll all the way down, leave us a rating or drop a review so that others can find us. If you know someone who wants to start their own business or who has an idea, take out your phone and text them this episode, share it on Instagram, tag me, and I'll absolutely share some of those to say thank you. But for now, I want you to stay tuned for another episode of Dear Founder coming your way every Tuesday and Thursday.